Good morning. If you please turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 3. We are going to be studying verses 8 through 11. I want to uh, encourage you. Uh, there's a lot of food, I think, back there for the, uh, the meal afterwards. So even if you didn't th- bring anything, as Cody said, please, please join us. It's a great time to be together. So happy Veterans Day, a day late. Um, you know it's Veterans Day when some extra flags are flying. Um, I was at the football game at, for Shadron State yesterday, and they had flag hanging off of the, the ladder truck at the game. And um, that, those flags are a, a powerful symbol for us. The, the United States flag represents I, uh, many ideals, uh, things that we, we value, freedom and liberty. Um, and when you see it, um, especially on that day, it, it's representative of sacrifice and, and uh, the, the great cost of freedom. Um, when you think about the, the battlefield to the Olympics, if you see a flag flying, it's the U.S. flag, it represents victory. And even, and even like absence of a flag... Um, Say, for example, in 2021, when the flag over the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, Afghanistan, was taken down as a symbol of, we're not there any longer. A symbol of, uh, of, of power has been removed. They're very powerful. Flags are very powerful symbols. Um, in this letter, Titus, and Paul has been instructing Titus um, to raise a, a, a banner that shapes our lives that, sh- that should shape and conduct what we do as a church. One banner, and that's the triune, the banner of the triune, Savior God. And, and Paul is not a virtue signaler. He doesn't believe that we should just be hearers and not doers of the word. The gospel changes us. That was really clear last week in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. He gives a list of commands. And then he supports those commands with the gospel. What has Jesus done? So he's not a virtue signaler. We want to know truth, truth that shapes us, shapes our actions. And so in this passage of chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, Paul's taking a final opportunity to impress upon Titus, impress upon us, I pray, to keep the banner of Christ raised as our central focus that shapes how we conduct church, church uh, function and even church discipline, even hard things. So we've, that's the call, I believe. Um, Paul knows that, that often um, contra- controversy and conflict don't happen necessarily outside the church, but inside the church is where correction is needed. There could be within a church, a different banner being raised, a different gospel or a misunderstanding of the gospel being proclaimed. And so he wants to be clear. We want to strive to raise the banner of Christ. So he's going to take that opportunity. We have this opportunity to keep that main thing the main thing. Keep Christ as our center and see the fruit as a result of what Jesus has done. So let's read chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. And then we'll pray. 
He's referring back, I think, when he says, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, the things said in verses 1 through 7, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Let's pray real quick. Father, we always, uh, we always need you. We need your, your aid. If not for your grace, if not for your work, we don't have a leg to stand on. We don't have a message to proclaim. But under your lordship, under the work of Christ, we are your sons and your daughters, and we're going somewhere. And we have a message to proclaim. Father, I ask that you would make your word shine forth. Please help me to be clear. May this be helpful and edifying for us. May it draw us in around one heading, one Lord. May we die to ourselves for the sake of Christ and making him known. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So today I want to address five questions I think that we can draw from this passage to help us evaluate, am I raising the banner of Jesus over my life, over this church? Are we, are we raising the banner of Jesus over our ministry, what we say, ministry meaning what we say about Jesus and what we do because of what Jesus has done, because of Jesus? Are we raising the banner of Christ over our lives. What are the implications of that? I think there's, Paul goes, Paul points, gives us some, some direction in that. So five questions, and then, and then we'll close. So number one, the question I think Paul wants us to ask is, does our ministry, does what we say about Jesus, does what we do because of Jesus, does it align with the trustworthy saying that he's referring to? In, in verse 8 there, Paul says, the saying is trustworthy. And then he goes on and says, I want you to insist on these things. So what is this saying that he's referring to? I'm confident. Paul's, Paul's used this, this order of words five, four other times in his epistles, in the pastoral epistles, First, Second Timothy, and Titus. Every time there's an allusion, except for one, there's an allusion to the gospel. And, and I think he's referring back to the statement that the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. He's saying, this saying is trustworthy. The, 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 the truth that God in Christ, through the work of the Spirit, saved you. If you're trusting in Christ, it was God who saved you. Not because of works that you did in righteousness, it says that clearly, but because 
of his mercy. That is the trustworthy saying. You did not save you. Your pedigree did not save you. Your works of righteousness did not save you. God, pure grace, an act of kindness, he saved you. And he says this is not just a saying that we say, but it's trustworthy. It's reliable. And he's emphasizing, I think, that the message is something you can hang your life on. You can go to the grave believing. Applicable for all of your life, guiding every decision that you make. This is a reliable and a trustworthy message. And that means, as he said in, in, in Titus 1.9, to the elders, they must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that they may be able to teach what accords with sound doctrine and correct. It's, it's, it's reliable enough to teach from. It's reliable to correct against. There's no comp- competitors that need, to, that need to have equal weight with the gospel. You know, there's 27 past U.S. flags, 27 different iterations of the U.S. flag. There's one gospel, one message. I love that song that we sing Every once in a while, there is one gospel on which I stand for all eternity. 2,000 years of testimony to one gospel. I had a friend the other day, we were talking about preaching and, and I was talking about you know, the, the weight of, of, of going to the word of God and the, 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 the desire to, to try and make it clear and, 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 and his approach to it was, well, that must be really hard. Like you're, you're trying to understand what, what the word of God says. For 2,000 years, we have reliable testimony to the reliability of the word of God. People's lives changed, error corrected. We don't go into the word of God in a vacuum. We have a reliable message. But the call isn't only to know that the gospel is trustworthy. He says, insist on these things. Insist on these things um, so that the people um, may be careful to vote themselves to good works. Those who have believed in God. In other words, the Christians who have believed in God and Crete, they may be careful to devote themselves to good works. So it's, it's not just something I know in my mind, but it's, it's, it's something that you insist upon so that we may act it out and, and, and live out the fruit of the gospel in our lives. And, and, you, and he, you see the fruit that he wants to be born in verses 1 and 2. So the question for us is, um, does what I say about Jesus and what does, I, does what I do because of Jesus, is it aligning with that trustworthy message? Is it aligning with the trustworthy message of the gospel? He's not merely, though, concerned. And this is where things get test, difficult, I think, sometimes. He's not merely concerned with, am I using Christian language in the things that I say? Am I, am I, am I using... Uh, Christian jargon does actually what the substance of my teach and what does what I does what I do does it align with the reality that Jesus died for me and gave himself for me as we see in this passage often the danger for the church is not of it from an outside attack though that does happen but there are there are dangers within the church. There's, there's false messages being proclaimed. And so, 
just because I see it online and it's got the word, you know, someone is saying or speaking in Jesus' name, I, I, need to, I need to tune in my ears and, and, and understand, is what they're saying aligning with the message of the gospel? Or is it leading me to trust in myself? Is it leading me to, um, yeah, value, value me over pointing people to Jesus? We have to be careful with what we hear. Most of the, the, the passages in the, the New Testament that address um, enemies, they're inside the church, most, most of them, or, or coming from within, saying things that are not true. And, this, and that's what this passage is. So Paul gives us an, an, a helpful tell, a helpful reminder here. The, the gospel that, that works, works. This gospel, it promotes, it points to a sacrificial savior. So, first thing we do, ask ourselves, is, 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 what, is what, I'm, what I say about Jesus, what I do because of Jesus, does it promote the message of Christ, the gospel message? Number two, does our ministry seek to profit all people? Does what we say about Jesus, what we do because of Jesus, seek to profit all people? If you look at the end of verse 8 for a second, he says, these things, this is the result of what happens here, they, they devote themselves to good works. It says these things may be, are excellent and profitable for all people. Now, um, when I first read that, I thought, okay, well, that's helpful. these things are helpful for the church. But if you look at this in context, he just uses a plural people. Plural people. It's, and if you look at this in context, well, the last time he talked about a plural people was in verses 1 and 2. These people outside the church who were supposed to so, um, be be uh, show perfect courtesy towards, to be gentle towards, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, if you see that there in verses 1 and 2, chapter 3. So Paul has a clear, I think, indication that, that the, the profitability of this message is that not only, it, yes, it's benefiting the church, but this is a message that, that the way that we live, it says something to the outside world. This is a message um, the way that we do this, it's actually profitable for all people. So there's a missional goal behind the good works that we do here. These things profit all people. When we do good works that are shaped by the sacrifice of what Christ has done, I'm thinking about what he did as I show love to someone who doesn't deserve love and kindness to someone who doesn't deserve kindness, I show that Jesus is a great savior because he saved me when I didn't deserve it. We proclaim a message about Christ in the way that we, we um, when we align our lives with this message. These are excellent and profitable for people. So I'm asking myself, does, does the way that I pr- promote Christ, is it profitable? Is it going to profit an unbeliever? Is it profitable to the outside world? Is it showing Christ to them? Does it profit all people? Number three, does our ministry, or does what we you know, say about Jesus, what we do because of Jesus, does it avoid engaging in unprofitable things? And this is the big point I think Paul is, is trying to communicate in this passage. We have an understanding that there is a, a solid rock upon which we stand, and we also understand that there are unprofitable things that we've got to avoid. You can see that in, in verse 9. But avoid foolish uh, controversy. 
genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law. For they are unprofitable and worthless. They don't have any value. So this, this verse, I think it reminds us a couple things to keep in mind as we are representatives of Christ. For one, as we do life together as a body, but also even in the outside world. The, the first is, is that there, there's work to be done among us. There's work to be done among us. Paul understands, and he's communicating to Titus, that, that we need to be engaged in this. We need to keep bringing this thing back up. We need to keep pointing to Jesus because we, in many ways, are learning and growing and being taught and shaped within this body. And so we need one another. We need solid teaching. We need to be all centered on the, on the gospel, willing to take correction in order to be able to grow. We are working and growing in process. We're not becoming, we're not, we're not being, uh, becoming more saved. We are growing and maturing in Christ. Uh, on February 23rd, 1945, you're familiar with this picture, but it, there were six Marines that climbed Mount Suribachi in Iwo Jima, and they planted a U.S. flag on the top of that mountain. It's one of the most iconic images of, of, the, of the United States flag in, in a military setting. What people don't know, or I didn't know until this week, is that uh, Iwo Jima was not won until a month after that flag was planted. And three of the six reportedly died. So they're, they're planting this flag on top of Iwo Jima. It was a great morale booster. It happened a lot during World War II in the Pacific. There were lots of photos of the U.S. flag being planted. But the battle wasn't over. They, they, there was still fighting, and three of the guys died. If we raise the banner of Christ over our church, we still have to engage in the work. We're still engaging, still pointing, still all, all this life until the grave, pointing to Jesus. We've got to still keep the main thing, the main thing. There's still battle to be fought. There's still correction and training to be, to be sussed out. Satan wants us to be ineffective. And if he can make us ineffective, he's going to do it by causing us to have internal strife as a church. If we can focus on things that maybe minimize the gospel and make us focus on one another, he's winning. We need to keep the main thing the main thing and strive to do that. Are we going to be deceived? The Apostle Paul says to Titus, Focus on what's going to be profitable and keep training and, and correcting and growing in, in, in this. I think it's very helpful for us that before verse 9, there's a verse 8. Before verse 9, there's a verse 8. Without the, the clear view of what Jesus has done, it's really difficult for us to know what's profitable and what's unprofitable. We've got to press in. We're called to press in to know the Lord, to know what Christ has done in order to discern what is profitable and unprofitable. But it's really difficult to discern what was unprofitable in, in, in 
in Paul's day. Um, one commentator thinks that the, the genealogies, they may uh, have been uh, the belief that your family heritage has some special religious value to it. Um, you can see how that would be an error. That would be saying, my heritage plus Jesus is, is something worth spending a lot of time on. Um, in, in terms of quarrels about the law, you, 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 we, we, we have quite a bit of confidence from, from verse 10, chapter 1, that these were Jew, the Jew, uh, quarrels about the Old Testament law. Paul, in, in chapter 1, says there's a circumcision party that has crept into the church. And so maybe they were saying, yes, you follow Jesus, but you need to add these Old Testament rituals in order to truly follow Jesus. Um, Paul addresses, he spends an entire letter to the Galatians addressing that um, you're justified by faith in Christ alone. If you add circumcision to your faith in Christ, you actually minimize you, you, you weaken what Christ has done. And so, it may have been something like that. But we really don't know. We really don't know. We, we, we know that they're unprofitable. We know that they're worthless. We know that in some way they're not pointing to the sacrificial Savior, the one who died for us. The good works are not, those are not being promoted. And so Paul says, you've got to avoid those things. Don't, don't spend your time on those things. You need to avoid them. I tried to think of an equivalent today, and it's really, it's really difficult. Maybe if, uh, if uh, you know, there's a turkey trot next week, and if I were to say, you know, the turkey trot is a great opportunity for fellowship. It's not a saving thing. But good Christians, they will participate in the turkey trot. They, they're not saved, necessarily, but, but they're more in. They're more acceptable. The, very, the, you know, the turkey trot, it's, it's, it's very important. It's representing Jesus to the world. I don't know. That's a silly example. We've got to be careful to not let unprofitable things run up and be central in our, in, our, in our church, in our personal lives. We've got to keep looking to what Jesus has done. Number four, so, first, so, so is, is, is our ministry engaging in unprofitable and worthless things? That was number three. No, number four, does what we say about Jesus and do because of Jesus, does it produce intentional restorative correction? Look at uh, verse 10 with me. Now this is the continuation of, of verse 9 here. As for the person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. So under the, under the banner of the gospel, the church must be prepared to correct and seek restoration when unprofitable things are being taught. When you first read this, I think the thought is, man, that's harsh, right? That's, that's, really, that's really harsh. However, I don't think, um, I think the result is very sad, and, and, and as we'll see later on, it's, it's very sad. However, we've got to see that the intention of this correction is to restore. There's two warnings, two admonitions, two urgings, two coming alongside and saying, 
hey, I don't think what you're promoting or what you're, what you're, you're teaching here is, is in step with the gospel. Let's come back to the center. Let's come back and focus on what is really, is really important. So, and, and I don't think necessarily Paul is telling Titus that every single uh, battle you engage in. So there's these things that might be floating around. Maybe it's in our culture. And so it's just, we just avoid these. Let's focus on proclaiming Christ. But when a person comes in and starts stirring up division, as it says here, so I'm not just, I'm not just you know, these, these, these unprofitable things are just lying there. Now I'm picking them up and I'm using them as tools to say, hey, let's use this stuff. When that happens and division is starting to, to um, breed within the church, we address that and correct that. And this is very in line with the Matthew 18 principle of church discipline um, that, that Jesus talked about and, and other forms of church discipline as, as instructed. There's a, there's, a, there's a warning, there's, a, there's a, an opportunity of saying, hey, brother, hey, sister, this is out of step with the truth. Let's, let's return to what is true. The intent is not to hurt that person, but to help them and to help the church. Division is is not something that we initially seek. This is really a blessing. I think one of the reasons that we exist as a body is to help one another, to admonish one another, to stir up one another. If you think about it, if my, if my eyes are fixed on Jesus and I'm thinking about what he has done, he saved me when I did not deserve that. He saved me when I did not earn it. What a message. What a hopeful message to proclaim. To, to have my eyes on that, if I slip, if I stumble, if I start focusing on things that aren't profitable, to have a brother or if you have a sister come alongside and say, hey, let's, let's go this way. Let's, let's return to what really matters. This type of correction is, is meant to keep us in line. We're always, I think, in need of, in need of correction. Submitted to the word of God, submitted to the spirit at work in us. Yesterday at the, at the uh, football game, they hung a flag on a, a ladder truck. But when they first hung it up, it was upside down. You don't want to hang the United States flag upside down. Somebody saw it. Somebody talked to the guy. Hey, your flag's upside down. I don't, want, I don't want to misrepresent my country. I, don't, I wouldn't want to do that. What a help. What an aid to, to come to that person and say, hey, the flag's upside down. They lowered it. They flipped it around. They raised it back up. That was helpful. And this correction is meant to help and drive this person, this admonition, return them back to the truth. We're very blessed to be a part of the body. Uh, Hebrews 3.13 uh, 3, says, exhort one another, every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I don't want to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I don't want to make the, the little thing the big thing. And we are blessed with the body of Christ to, to point us back to the truth. We need that. The first step to error is to say in my head, in my heart, I don't need correction. 
that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bad path to go down, to say, I don't need correction. We should be humble before the word of God. And then we can base any, any correction that we receive off of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, can, we, can, we don't have to take it personally, right? They've got the gospel in mind. I've got the gospel in mind. Thank you for helping me not blur the gospel. I'm going I'm to correct that behavior. Whether it's my attitude in the workplace whether it's what I say when I teach, we want to uphold the gospel of Jesus. All right. Um, that was number four. Number five, how are we doing on time? Number five, does our ministry, does what we say about and do because of Jesus, does it create a space for us to do the hard things in order to keep the main thing the main thing? Does our ministry create a space for us to do the hard things in order to keep the main thing the main thing. Let's read verses 10 and 11. As for the person who stirs up division after warning him once and twice, have nothing more to do with them, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. This passage is not ultimately communicating that division or a need to divide never happens. The reality is that if someone is unrepentant for the health of the body of Christ, we reject, as the New American says, a factious person, someone who is creating division. There's a couple things to keep in mind, I think, that help, help us understand this. First, Paul is very clear, not only um, that, 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 that this person is wrong in his thinking, but again, dividing the church with his thinking. And he's not only dividing with his thinking, Paul is very clear that this person is opposed to the excellent and profitable gospel of Jesus. So we're all growing, we're all maturing. This is not a place for perfection. This is a place for mature sanctification and growth. This is a place where we hear the gospel and are and are brought to our knees. I need you, Jesus. However, this person, this person that Paul is referring to is dividing. You can't really see it in in, in English. It, um, you can. In, in Greek, it's very clear. The, 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 wor- the verb for warped is a perfect w- verb, meaning this is a completed action that has continuing results. This person has turned, and they are not receiving correction. And the verb for sinful is in the present, meaning this person is sinning. This person is keeping going the other way. This person has made up their mind, they're unwilling to receive loving correction to turn them back, and therefore the conclusion is this person is self-condemning. They have been given the truth and given the opportunity to return, and they're saying, no, I don't agree. I'm going that way. And therefore, Paul says, it's speaking for itself. It's self-condemning. The message may be full of, it could be full of Christian words and phrases, but the app, its, its substance is not profitable. It's leading people away from our sacrificial Savior, the profitable message of Jesus. And so then conclusion is that this person should not be a part of this body because they're going to hurt this body. We must keep the main thing the main thing. And so at great cost, 
this person must not be a part of the body. So you reject, or, or as, as the, the ESV says, you have, have nothing more to do with. Now this, this does not mean that this person is, is unreachable, but this person's presence in this body is not helpful. And so we, we see them um, as, as an unbeliever, as one who needs to come back to Christ. But their, their, their presence here is, 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 is hurting the body. And so we do the hard thing to keep the main thing, the main thing. We, we, we understand that this gospel is so important, so valuable, that there's a time to divide when such factious behavior is being, is being taught. What does that tell you about the value of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's a solid rock to stand on, a banner that I... That I set my life under, you can teach and correct from this gospel. You can teach and correct from the word of God. It's reliable for us. So as we, as we go out, keep thinking about this. Am, am I living under the gospel of Jesus Christ? Am I living under the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we see that the good works which flow from the gospel, do we see those things as important witnesses to the world? Are we discerning between the profitable and the unprofitable seeking to be corrected in that? Are we correcting to restore purity of the message in this? And are we serious enough about the gospel to remove those who are unwilling to be restored to the truth? Let's pray. We need your help, Father. Help us. I just think as we go forward into a new year even, God, as we um, go forward, help us to be humble before the cross. We need you. May the things of this world grow dim in the light of your glory and grace. May we, may we walk out of here and love one another with the desire to make you known, to, to keep the gospel central in our church and in our lives. In Christ's name I pray, amen.